You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Today, Psalm 84. Uh, Bank holiday weekend. I'm going to tell quite a few stories, which I hope you'll enjoy. Um, But I also want to make a, a serious point. For those who are on a pilgrimage yet going through the valley of tears, through the valley of weeping. And that pilgrimage, which the psalmist talks about in verse 5, is taking us to a place that we can call home, a place where I know I belong. And I'm aware, even within the company of this church, the experience of home has not for everyone been a happy or a safe experience. But this morning I want to focus on what home should be and should be for us all. So first story. Last Sunday afternoon uh, was the occasion where the United Reformed Church in Castle Square had its closing service and uh, Fiona and I went along. They recounted the history of that building It started as an independent church by uh, a group of 12 people committing themselves to Christian faith and holiness of living. Under inspirational leadership, at one time, 650 people were meeting on a Sunday in the United Reformed Church building. They had 20 volunteers staffing a Sunday school. Incredible. But now it's declined and the building has closed as a place of worship. In the meeting, they had an open mic and people were talking about the experience of having been to the United Reformed Church. So for some people, their parents had been married there. For some people, funerals had taken place. For some people who had traveled from other parts of the country, they had been one of the Sunday school teachers. And for many, that building held precious memories. And for many... It had been their spiritual home and the the situation was for the handful of elderly people there, that was their spiritual home, they've got to find a new place. And there is an attachment to place, there is an attachment to buildings. But I'm afraid you won't find it here at the Queen Mary Centre. <laughs> this is a community centre. We, we, we do our best to create the atmosphere, but all sorts of events take place here throughout the week. But what we do seek to create is a place where you can feel at home. Not necessarily in the people, uh, in the building, but with the people. So that when you come here, You feel it's a safe place, it's a place where you can be at ease, where you can know the glory of God and the things that we've shared earlier. In fact, we have no attachment to this building at all. Uh, We're very grateful for the use of it, and we've met here for the past 20, 30 years. But we're quite happy to meet in a pub. We're quite happy to meet, as we had to at some time, in the, uh, the hut in St. Peter's Car Park. We will go wherever we can meet, and there we will create the house of God. But for Korah, who wrote this psalm, here he's saying that the dwelling place of God, verse 1, how lovely 
is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. And in a previous sermon on the Psalms, Fiona talked about how Korah, that his role and the role of his family were to be gatekeepers. They, they were the welcome people at the door for the, for the uh, tabernacle and for the temple. And so their position was always at the entrance to the house of God. And he delights in this building, which is for him the house of God. Now there's two variations on looking at this psalm. Uh, Michael Wilcox, who, who I looked at uh, his commentary on this, he says that this psalm is a psalm of pilgrimage in that sense that, well, his analysis is verse, the opening verses, verse two and three, the, the, the psalmist is saying, I'm in love with the house of God, but I'm away from it. Then the next section, he, he's saying that I'm on my way. I'm going up to the house of God. And it's a, a psalm of pilgrimage. And then the last stanza, he says, I'm there. I'm dwelling. I'd rather be a, a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. I've arrived. It's about getting to that place where I'm at home with God. Tell you another story. When we were in uh, the training college in the Salvation Army, every Thursday in London, there was a public meeting in Camberwell, and very popular, hundreds and hundreds of people would attend to it. And part of our training, we were taught how to preach. You may not think that he's been taught how to preach, but we were taught how to preach. And one of the books that we were given was Sangster's Craft of the Sermon. And we went one Thursday evening, and the wife of the training principal, she was designated, designated to preach, and she took the story of the prodigal son. Now, in Sangster's uh, book on preaching, he'd given an illustration how to tell the story of the prodigal son, and he gave three titles. He said, sick of home, homesick, home. That's the story of the prodigal son. Well, the training principal's wife decided to preach on the prodigal son. And she said, I'm going to give you three titles. And what three titles did she give? <laughs> sick of home, homesick home. We're all the training people who say, we know where she got that sermon from. The same book they're teaching us. But that desire to be home. And in this church... We've got people who've got a real experience of being away from home. The Lord's blessed us with people from other countries. But I've no idea how it feels to be moved from South Korea to Wisbeach. And all the familiar sounds and sights and family. Or from Iran. With your family back there. Or Botswana. With your family stuck in South Africa. And you're making your home here, but there is something of the call of the old country, isn't there, for Spain. And there is within us all that longing, I want to be, be back there. So Michael Wilcox had said, it's a journey of somebody uh, who was uh, away from home, longing to, to get to the house of the Lord. But others say that this psalm is actually 
the psalm of Korah, who is privileged to dwell in the house of the Lord because it's his day job to be there all the time. He's always at the, at, um, at the temple. They were at the tabernacle. That's, that's what they did all the time. And that's so he says in verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever praising your name. But then for the people of his day, most of them didn't work in the temple. It's like when we go to Ely Cathedral, you see all these guides and the, the clerical staff. That's their day job. They live and work in um, Ely Cathedral. I love going there, but I'm a day visitor. It was the same for many Jewish people in the days of Jesus. Not many people uh, were around the temple all the time. And Jesus himself, living mainly in the north, on quite a few occasions, he went on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And the Psalms, lots of the Psalms are about this, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Do you remember the saying, I was glad when they say, let's go to the house of the Lord. What an experience. So for the majority of people, it was a pilgrimage, a journey to Jerusalem. And that's why he says in verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. I'm privileged that this is, where I, this is where I stay. But blessed are those who make that journey to the house of the Lord. Now that phrase, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage, some people have struggled how to translate that, how to interpret it. The, the, the Hebrew idiom they say, I don't read Hebrew, but they say the Hebrew idiom is quite difficult to translate. And one variation has it, Blessed are those who begin this journey who have the way mapped out for them. So you're not walking blind. You're not going on an exploratory trail. You know where you're going. Just as pilgrims today, they, they go on pilgrimages. And there is a defined path. You can get maps about pilgrims' ways. And they show you the way to get to your destination. So there is a way to come to the house of the Lord to meet with the Lord. And that tells me a couple of things. That this desire to be with the Lord, we're drawn by him, but we're also shown the way. The way is marked out for us. Now I'm going to move from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Because... People went up to Jerusalem to the house of the Lord. But we're Christians and we don't live in that culture or that time now. We don't go to the temple. The temple's not going to be rebuilt. That's, it, it, it's, it's left empty. There's a different temple. And that embodiment of the presence of the Lord is Jesus Christ himself. And he is the one we're drawn to. And that's why he says, I am the way. Our heart's desire is to know him. And we know him by coming to him. And Jesus says, no one comes to God but by me. So that desire to be close to God, it is only for us. It's not on pilgrimage to Jerusalem as well. People have been blessed going to, to the Holy Land. They gained a lot of insight from that. But actually for us, wherever we are, 
here in Wisbeach, we can come right into the presence of the Lord. Um, there's a whole teaching about the curtain of the temple being torn down and we can enter into the Holy of Holies. If there's a desire, let me say this, if there's a desire to meet with God, God will make that possible. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Because this psalm is more than about coming to a building. For the psalmist himself, it's a desire not just to get to the building, but to, to get to the presence of God. He says, verse 2, My soul yearns for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. There's two very strong emotions there, yearning and crying out. I want to be with God. Going to take a sideways step for a moment, tell you two stories. Because I'm aware that for some people, at times they feel they can't move forward. Heart's desire is to move on as a Christian, to grow in faith, to become closer to God. And yet you just feel stuck. You can't make any progress. Standing still, you're crying, you're fainting. That might be true for some people here, might be true for people listening to this recording. And at times, life does put us in a position where we get stuck. We can't move forward. The funny story is, when I worked for BRT Bearings, um, I received a, well, the staff said, your wife's on the phone, she wants to talk to you. So, uh, interrupted work. She said, Clive, um, could you come round to Annie's house, that was one of our neighbours, could you come round to Annie's house and bring a saw? That was the message. So, Boss gave me permission to leave. I went home, went, picked up a saw, went round to Annie's house, who lived just a couple of doors from us. And um, Ada and Alex knew Annie as well, and they'd been there. And Alex had gone upstairs, and as you looked up the stairs, his head is stuck through the banisters. And they have tried everywhere to get him out, and they cannot get... So you look up, and there's Alex's head looking down at you through the banisters. And there was no way we could get him out. So with their permission, it was a wooden banister, hence the saw. Do you mind if I cut through your banister to release Alex? And he was out. Sometimes we get stuck by our own foolish actions. Things we've done have put us in a place that we can't get out. The other story is, when I was in prison, there was a big ce celebration, I think it was a Christmas celebration. Loads of dignitaries had been invited in. There was a lot of public, the, the chapel was full, there was dozens and dozens of prisoners, we have all these dignitaries. Then suddenly there was an incident in prison, and it was a, such a serious one that they absolutely shut it down. They closed the front doors, nobody's allowed in, nobody goes out. And this went on and on and on. And I'm with these dignitaries, and the time's going on, and they're saying, I've got a train to catch, I've got an, appoint an important appointment in London, I need to get moving. And the staff are saying, I'm sorry, you are not going anywhere. And for hours they were stuck there, they missed their trains, they missed their appointments. Now sometimes we get stuck in a position by other people's behaviour. It wasn't our fault but we're in that position. And either through our own action or through the actions of other people, we come to a place in life where I just feel I can't move forward. 
But the gospel is a gospel of liberation. Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. And Jesus, if you read the Gospels, his whole ministry is about setting people who've been stuck in, in, in a cycle of despair and hopelessness. The woman with the issue of blood, the demon-possessed man, the paralyzed man, the blind man. What do you want me to do? That I may be free. And Jesus comes and sets people free. Here we believe in the Gospel of Jesus who sets people free. And if, if in life you feel stuck, we know the power of Jesus can set you free so that you can pursue God with all your heart and with all your mind. There was a lovely testimony, wasn't there, last Sunday? Wasn't it a lovely testimony? And that's why um, we encourage people to get baptised. We're having another baptismal service before the summer holidays, maybe end of June, beginning of July type time. But there was a lovely testimony, if you didn't hear it last week, uh, Sandra who got baptised and she'd been suffering from nightmares and sleepwalking. As soon as she, uh, after being baptised, they all went. And Jesus sets people free. But... That freedom to walk that way may take us through the valley of Baca, through the valley of weeping. And I know our own story. I just about know everybody's story here. All of us at times will have gone through a valley of weeping. Our heart's desire is to know God, to do his will. We want to pursue him. We want to be close to God. But actually... That journey is taking me through. And th this, um, the, the, the Valley of Baca, maybe a desert route, maybe trees that uh, the, the sap weeped. So it was uh, called the Valley of Weeping. And we find ourselves having to walk a very sad and sorrowful path. But the psalmist says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of weeping. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. When we're going through those times, resources outside of ourselves, because our strength has gone. And the psalmist says, You're blessed. If you're finding your strength in God. Some situations have taken all our energy. They've taken all our resources. Our emotions are drained. And yet the, the psalmist says there is strength from the Lord in that time. Because Jesus himself went that way. He's the pioneer of our faith. And it says who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He himself went through that valley of weeping and found, just read the gospel story, found in God a strength and a resource that he could endure to the end and complete the Father's will and discover the joy that lay before him. And the psalmist gives us two pictures. 
Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of weeping, here's the two things. They make it a place of springs and the autumn rains cover it with pools. Two things. The strength from below and there's refreshment from above. And it's, he says, they make it a place of springs. They go deep down to where this reservoir of water is. And when you're going through a valley of weeping, you have built up a, a, a storehouse of resources. You know the word of God. You know the, your own testimony. The God who was with us then will be with us now. You've built up a, a network, a, a fellowship of people who can be there and support you and strengthen you. You've dug down into the resources that God has given you already. And from there you can draw resources to get you through that valley of weeping. That's why as a Christian you can't survive by yourself. You need to be in company with other people. But he also says that there's autumn rains, something you've got no control over. And God pours out his grace where he says to every person, my grace is sufficient for you. You might not have chosen this path, but I'm going to help you get through it. And by my strength, you will get through it. Because I'm the God who never leaves nor forsakes. In fact... That testing time may be a growing time because in verse 7 he says coming through that valley of weeping they go from strength to strength. And the Bible has much to say about the testing of our faith going through trials and actually God working something in us that makes us more than we were before. They go from strength to strength as each appears before God in Zion. Because verse 11, we've sung it in some of our songs. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. I know that verse because when I left home in rather unhappy circumstances, that was a verse my mother gave to me. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And my walk wasn't blameless at that time. But that's the promise. Last story. I happened to switch on the television and uh, just the channel I was in. There was a program about... Um, uh, Rue, what's the well, violinist name? Uh, Andre, Andre, couldn't think of his first name, Andre Rue. And I know a few people here uh, quite like his music. I've, I've never followed or, or watched it, but I thought, well, I'll just uh, see, see what he does. Quite a showman. And um, they were featuring a, a concert in Mexico, and he's a huge star in Mexico. They had this auditorium with thousands of people there, whole procession coming in, he's on stage. And so they, they do their waltzes and their popular music and that sort of stuff. And uh, one, one of the pieces of music they played was the Rudetsky March. I don't know if you know it. It goes... And the whole of the auditorium is up clapping and stamping along because it's a, the Rudetsky March. The next piece of music was a, a quiet piece by Brahms. And he was playing a violin solo and a very gentle accompaniment. The whole audience is still on their feet, 
and they're shouting and chanting and chanting. So in, the, in this programme, they interviewed uh, Andre Rue, and he said, I don't even know what they were shouting. It was so noisy. I don't know if they were shouting, Andre, Andre, and they're like, and he's trying to play this quiet bit of rah. He said, it was so noisy, I couldn't hear the accompaniment. I didn't know where I was meant to be. These people have created such an air excitement being there, they're missing the music. They forgot why they were there. Now, church, for a lot of people, the building, the place, it can be the experience, the environment. That's what I like. I like coming with my friends. I like being in this place. I like the things that we do. They've lost the music. And what this psalm is saying is there is a call from God to him. And maybe there's some people who have never yet heard the music. And God is calling you on this pilgrim path. Not to come to a building, but to come to know him as father, where I can be. I can be at ease. I can find peace. I can feel at home. This is where I belong. Here the building, it's functional. But we as a church want to create a place where, where you can come to the place where you know you ought to be, the place you belong. Sins forgiven, a child of God, obedient to his will, confident that even if I walk through the valley of tears, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fear. Today, may you find strength from God, from whatever you've come through this week, and whatever this week faces, may you go from strength to strength until we each appear before God in Zion. Amen.